Hello, and welcome back to Pathways with me, Todd Allen Baker, as your host. I'm excited to bring you this guest on today. Um, I would consider him a true Broadway veteran, a uh, great friend of mine. I always enjoy catching up with him when I'm in the city. Currently, he is doing the Book of Mormon, but his resume is extensive. Um, and such a precious soul that he is. So I would like to bring on uh, my friend Arbender Robinson and have him tell his story. So welcome, Arbender. Welcome to Pathways. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is exciting. Um, oh, I'm sure you're used to these. That's not a big deal for you. You, you know what's funny, though, is every time I, I mean, sure, they happen often, but every time I do it, one, I either get really shy or two, I start um, <laughs> I start to giggle shy. or laugh at myself and I'm like, holy smokes, that is what I did. So um, uh, yeah, so, sometimes when you're just doing the work, you don't realize, you just don't realize what you're doing. And then when you look back and reflect on it, you're like, holy smokes, I've, I've done some things. So yeah, um, you have so, done yeah. some things. And I'm, I'm enjoying the Christmas decorations as always, um, you know. You over the top, never, never. No, not at all, not at all. Yeah, not so, all. so Halloween came down quickly and Christmas is going up quickly. I just realized that we're, you, you know, the, I always realized that by the time I'm finished getting all my Christmas stuff up, I'm like, holy smokes, it's almost Christmas already. So my goal this year is to get everything up before December 1st. That's the goal. So I That's can the goal. sit back and enjoy And it. then yeah. you'll have it all down by February 1st. Of course. <laughs> all right. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Um, okay. I would just like to know what's your earliest memory of wanting to perform in this industry? Oh, this is tricky because there are two ways that I would answer this. So one, you know, when I was in grade three uh, or third grade, you know, we, we had a we had a school holiday musical that everyone wanted to be a part of. And I was lucky enough to be able to understudy a robot named Marvell. And we'll get this. to that later. You are the king of understudies. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but then I, I, I don't think I truly knew that this was really what I was going to do for a living until I graduated college. Now, when I went to college, I did go to college studying theater, but in the back of my mind, I knew I wanted to do it, but I hadn't fully made the choice and the commitment to actually do it until I graduated and realized, holy smokes, <laughs> I'm out here in the big bad world. I need to make this happen now. So, um, so for me, it was a slow process. I wasn't one of those lucky uh, actors that knew at age five that I wanted to be an actor for a living. Um, I loved it. Uh, it was a dream, but I didn't fully commit to that dream, to that drive until I graduated college. So, um, and where did yeah. you go to college at? Uh, I went to this small school uh, in La Crosse, Wisconsin called, it's now called Viterbo University, but when I went there, it was Viterbo College. Mm -hmm. No one had ever heard of it. In fact, I had never heard of it um, <laughs> until shortly before I went there for school. Um, but uh, it, it turned out to be the best choice, the best decision for me. I learned so much. It was an intense training program, and 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 now I'm where I am now. Thank you, Viterbo. Yeah.
well, you know, you can credit them a lot. Uh, and so, I do. Uh, so what kind of steps did you take on this journey besides college? Did you have training afterwards or did you jump straight into the business or going and getting a gig? So what was your natural progression um, into where you are now? Yeah. So, so I'll, so I'll say this. I, I think everyone's journey is, is slightly different. And I do think that my journey is a little uh, non-traditional that upon graduating college, I was a working actor. Uh, and, and luckily, knock on wood, I've been working ever since. But uh, when 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 I do these these talkbacks and people reach out and they say, oh my goodness, your career's great, or you've been so lucky, or you've done all these things, I remind them that um, one, my training never stopped. So I graduated from college, and I mean, for lack of a better word, I wasn't that good. I had a lot of work to do. So college gave me all the information, but I didn't know how to apply it. So. Uh, I continue to train, 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 train. We I'm always still are growing now. and training. We have to. Always. And, I, and, I, and I think that's something that a lot of people forget is that the training never ends. What the, what the industry wants you to do today <laughs> will be nothing compared to what the industry wants and needs you to do tomorrow. So you oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, you always have to keep training uh, and, and pushing and pushing and pushing. So the, the biggest thing that I'll say, what did I do is I auditioned for everything. And that brings us back to a point that on my, pardon me, on one of my first interviews, we were talking about the, the attention to detail for auditioning. Never stop auditioning because it's an art form to audition. Because I remember when I was in the business, um, before I started landing gigs and then I didn't have to audition as much. I was at every audition. I was at like two, a, you know, two a week or I, no matter what it was, even if I did not want the gig, I went to the audition just to get practice of picking up that material and getting better at the auditioning process. Cause that's, what's hard. That's what yeah. lands you the gig. Yeah. It's a, I I, I tell my students that auditioning is a it's its own skill set, right? It's its own art form. And the way that I think about it, school, most of our training teaches you what you need to do in order to play roles in a show. But when you're in that show, you're given so much help. You have a beautiful orchestra, hopefully. You have co-stars that are great, hopefully. You have gorgeous costumes and gorgeous lights and your audience knows the entire story, right? They're, they've seen scene one, scene two, scene three. So there, there's all this information that's floating around in your audience's head and they have the help of the audience members around them. Do I laugh here? Should we be crying here? There's this whole community effect that's happening there. But when you're in the audition room, you take away all of those things. They're all gone. It's so if there. you just deliver what you needed to deliver in the show for the audition, it's not enough. You've missed the whole point of the audition. The audition is saying to casting or the producers or the director, I'm going to take this material that you've given everyone, right? It's a callback. Everyone's doing the same material. I'm going to take this material and show you what I can do with it and where I am today in my skill set. So 
then from that audition, they can say, oh, can they sing this show? Sure, I saw it in their skill set. Can they play these types of characters? Sure, I saw it in their skill set. Can they take direction and notes? Sure, I saw it in their skill set. Is there any evidence that they've actually trained and know what they're doing? Or are they just naturally gifted? Mm, I saw tons of training in their audition. I see that in the skill set. So they know what you're doing. Once you get past that stage, then it becomes easy because you're just working on material from the show. But in that audition, you have to show them where you are with this material on this day with your skill set. And that is a craft in itself. And once you learn to love that, once you realize what that is, everything takes off exponentially. Here's the thing. I graduated college years ago, worked regionally, did cruise ships, was a vocalist for Disney and all that kind of good stuff. I came to New York and quickly learned what my job actually was in the audition room because a few casting directors, um, I don't know if they embarrassed me or just gave me a little bit of hard love, but they just kept saying to me, dude, you're not, you're not doing enough. You're only giving us what's on the page. We already know that. You're not elevating the material to a new place. You're not taking us on a journey in this audition, in this performance. And once that clicked in for me after hearing it enough times, that's when I started to book, 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 book. And that's why I think I've been on Broadway now for 20 plus years and you know, 11 or 12 different shows. It's because I've understood, I understand now how to work that craft. So, um. Yeah, long answer to a short question, but no, that's, there you go. that's perfect. I don't think people describe or put the importance of auditioning in to what our industry is. And, you know, you can learn. That's like a class in itself when you are auditioning. I, you would have people, if they cared about you, they might not cast you, but if they saw some sort of potential in you to help you, I'd been in an auditions where, they wanted more from me and no, I didn't get the gig, but they saw something in me and they would give me notes and to say, here's how you can improve yourself on your next audition. And sometimes I would go back to that same company. And the next time I would take what they gave me, apply the knowledge and I would get the gig. So yeah. if they care about you and they see some sort of potential, then they'll let you have it because they just want you to grow. Yeah, that's also something that happens a lot here in New York because for 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 your big shows, we're talking, you know, Lion King, Wicked, these shows that have been around for a long time, they have a long list, a long pool of people who are, you know, in the mix of auditioning for that show. But something starts to happen. You'll find that you're, uh, if you're in the mix, you'll find that they're calling you in again and again and again and again. And what they're looking for is, can this person, one, are they consistent, right? You came in this day, you came in this month, you came in two months later, are you consistent in your work? Two, any tiny adjustments that we gave you in the room, are you holding on to them? Are you remembering what we said last time? Hey, don't take a breath here or do this. Can you take that direction and hold on to it? Because these shows aren't running for, you know, two weekends or a month, they're running hopefully for years and years and years. Hopefully you're doing hundreds of performances. So can you hold on 
to these little details, these little nuances that we're giving you that we want you to present in the material. Can you hold on to those things? Um, and then they're also uh, spending time getting to know you. Each time you come in the room, you're more comfortable. They're more comfortable with you. They're getting to know you as a human outside of this audition machine that you are. So uh, I always remind people that sometimes when you, when you find yourself, at least in New York, being called in again and again and again for these shows, that's what's happening. I was called in 36 times for The Lion King over the course of like 15 years wow. before they actually said yes. And then once I got in the show, I learned two things. One, uh, in the beginning, I just wasn't ready because what they asked me to do once I got in that rehearsal process, I was like, I would have failed miserably <laughs> had they hired me any sooner. I just would not have been able you could do the material, but you weren't ready for the actual show. No, 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 not at that level. Not, uh, not at with, with the quality they wanted me to present. Sure. I could, I could sing endless night and I can do Simba scenes, but there's a lot of nuance that's happening in that show that my brain would have exploded. So I think they were just making sure that I was ready for that. And, and you were Simba on um, Lion King, correct? I played, I played Simba on, in Lion King. And then I was also, because I love to swing, uh, I was also a singer. We'll get to that later, swinger. but yes. Yes. The uh, ultimate I, Broadway, but the <laughs> ultimate swing. Yes. yes we need to get which, into that. Which I love. Yeah. So, um, so by the end, I ended up covering like, 20 or 30 different characters in that show all on different vocal parts and everything but like th there's no way i could have done that before like absolutely no way so so they're looking for that too and then there's one other thing for long running shows that people are that casting is looking for and we never talk about this so i'm going to tell it to your podcast right now um we need to make sure that you're emotionally ready uh for your long running shows no one talks about this but fans don't realize it, but they can be evil. Nothing is, is scarier than having your opening night on a Broadway show, going outside and signing autographs for the first time, and then having someone snatch their playbill from you and say, mm, I thought the original was better. And you're wow, like, that's what? Happened? My heart, it happens all the time. And they're not saying it to be mean, but something happens where they just you know, fans of a show are fans of a show. Hey, right. I like Dina's Alphaba better than this Alphaba. I like, you know, Annalie Ashford's Galinda better than this Galinda. They'll tell you that not wanting to be mean, but it's evil. And that could destroy you. Because on top of that, the next day when you get to work, you're going to have a long list of notes <laughs> from your director of little things they need you to adjust for the show. It's not to break you down. It's just this is a better this show has to be perfect yeah so we also have to make sure that you're ready mentally and emotionally for that because it is a and it goes it back to the point that even when you're working you're learning Yes. I mean, I got to know, I'm in Book of Mormon right now. I've been doing the show off and on for like 12 years. Uh, and I've been back in the show for what, three years now con consistently doing the show every single night. And I got a note the other day in the show where they said, hey, Arbender, uh, just so you know, uh, I think you're creeping down too much in this number. You're in the dark. We need you to back up and be on this scene and be on number 10. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And then that night in the show, I made sure I was on the scene and, and on number 10. And I 
literally in my mind, I kept saying to myself, I don't think I've ever been here. I don't think I've ever been in the exact spot that I'm supposed to be in. And then my body didn't even know how to do the show. I had to go back in the next day, go on stage by myself and run the entire number to get that new spacing in my body because I just didn't naturally want to do it. So you're always learning. You're always being challenged. You're always discovering. Um, and you know, you always have a lot of eyes on the outside looking in saying, Hey, do it this way instead, even though your body feels something else. So yeah, and it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I should have mentioned in like when Arbender and I worked together, I can't remember 2002 when we were on ships together, it was great oh. meeting him. I remember walking into usually have cast housing during a rehearsal period. And he was the only one there. I got there, um, early and he was the only one then he was sitting on the couch and just we, early <laughs> yeah early and we introduced ourselves and he was my name is r bender and i was like r bender and he was like yeah it's really jacked up <laughs> i'll always remember that and but going back to what you're saying blocking i just didn't really kind of introduce how we met um yeah and you have to be on your blocking you have to be in your space because you know with shows that like you and i were in or if there's like pyro or there's something automation. that's something going to be animation then you know you could get hurt you know on ships we have a lot of um and you know broadway doesn't matter there's a lot of hydros there's a lot of lifts there's a lot of falls down into the the stage so if you're not on your mark then could you be a have disaster. to hit yeah it could be a disaster and, and, also, and also, if you're not on your mark, you're actually ruining the picture for the audience. You know what I mean? Like a choreographer says, this is the spacing. This is the formation. A lighting designer says, this, right? This is the spacing. This is the formation. The lights are going to track and follow you here. So if you're not actually on your mark, you're ruining <laughs> the entire visual aspect for the audience. So, um, yeah. And that was another thing for me that was, that was, on the ship a little bit, but more so on Broadway, there are so many lighting cues that are completely automated. Like I walk from, I'm singing a song and on this phrase, I walk from here to here. Not only is it a, a matter of me going from this number to that number, but the speed, the pace, and the path that I take may be an automated light cue that's following me. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that your timing for that is exactly the same every single night, but still make it look fresh and, and new for the audience. So there are all these little things that you know you that you kind of learn on the job, but they also have to make sure that you're ready for all of that because it's um it's a lot. <laughs> right. It is a lot. Um, I would like to get into the topic. It's not one of the questions, but you know, we're just kind of off the cuff here and we don't have to go by that. Um, and we kind of mentioned it yesterday uh, with one of my interviews about swinging and I've been a swing. I've been a dance captain and I would like for you to kind of explain what a swing does on any show because I consider you one of the ultimate swings. I mean, that's what you do. That's, that's kind of your forte per se. Yeah. Um, and I don't think people and listeners really know the value or how hard it is to be a swing and how during COVID they actually just kept everything running. Um, and so I would like for you to kind of briefly chat about the art, because I think it is an art form of being a swing. 
Yeah, yeah. So swinging, swinging, swinging. So, so I'm going to take, um, I'm going to take Hairspray because that's a show that a lot of people know. So, so Hairspray. There is, um, there is the ensemble of the show, which is, you know, most of your nicest kids, most of your motormouth kids, um, most of the young people in the show are are the ensemble of Hairspray. Then you have your supporting characters and your principal characters, which will be like Tracy Turnblad, Penny, uh, Edna, Wilbur, female authority figure, the, the principal tracks in the show. The way the shows are set up is that um, anyone, uh, anyone that's in the show every night, meaning I do the show every night, I'm in the ensemble or I'm a principal character, right? That is, that is your onstage cast. There's also a cast of people, not that many, but a small cast of people who are off stage. They are ready at any moment to jump in to the majority of the roles of the, in the show, primarily the ensemble roles in the show. So they know what they sing, they know what their dances are, they know where they make their costume changes, all the things of all the different ensemble members. So say the show is happening and I am in the ensemble and something happens where seaweed either gets sick or twists his ankle or I don't know, his wife goes into labor, so he has to rush to the hospital, whatever it is. I, as the ensemble member, if I understudy uh, seaweed, I then become seaweed quickly. Someone has to become the ensemble role that I was supposed to be that day. That person is a swing because I can't pull someone that's already on stage to cover that role because we'd still have a hole. So right. the swing then will jump in on that day and become our bender for the remainder of that show. So that's the basic way that a swing works. But a swing should and could be able to jump into any ensemble track in that show at any time. Or, which I well, love was, most about swinging. That was full of excitement. Or... Yeah, Right. Or what I love most about swinging, sometimes they'll come to you and say, hey, we're doing a split track today and I need you as the swing to be both Arbender and Todd in this scene. So then you have to go back and look at your notes and figure out what are the most important things that Arbender does and what are the most important things that Todd does and how can I do both of them in the show so you figure out this wacky split track thing. That's when I love it most. But you essentially know everything that every ensemble member does in that show and you are prepared to jump in to that role at any time it's so much fun so say someone goes on vacation or uh someone is sick or on a medical leave or whatever or they just happen to have a night off or whatever a swing will jump into the ensemble tracks an understudy or a cover will jump into the principal tracks and that's one of the many ways that we keep shows running all the time uh last night at book of mormon someone twisted their ankle so a swing had to jump into to that track uh we already had two other swings that were on in the show and then towards the end of the show one of our principal characters i don't know what they ate for dinner but got really sick so then uh a standby went on for that person and we had to shift a few more people around. The audience never knows that these things happen unless we make an announcement, but the swings can jump in at any time and figure it out. So that is the job that I like doing most is swinging. 
uh, because it just challenges my brain. It challenges my brain to, to remember numerous vocal parts. It challenges my brain to always know what the full picture is on stage to figure out how, how my characters fit into that picture. Um, and you kind of feel magical because every time you go on, every time you go on, you're saving the show. Right. <laughs> so like it you're feeds your ego. You're it, the hero. Yeah, it feeds your ego in the best way. Um, so, uh, and so, on yeah. average, uh, how many parts do you usually understudy? Like a, a general person that is hired as a swing, what is the amount of tracks that they will learn? Got it. So, so, uh, so this is interesting. Uh, only in recent years have we started trying to uh, limit the number of tracks that a swing could do. When I was swinging hair, there were 15 tracks that I could jump in and do. Wow. At any time. At any time. That um, is a lot I think, of tracks. Yeah, I think now they, tr but once you know what the full stage picture is, and once you learn what one track does, then by just like peripheral vision, you know what the next track does. So I try to learn all of my roles or tracks as we call them. I try and learn them all in relation to the first one that I learned. So learn one slowly and then just pay attention. Oh my goodness, in this number, I realize this person is to my right or in this number, they're to my left or in this number, they're way in the back corner. So if you learn all the other roles in relationship to whatever role you know best, it just makes it easy. And then once you learn like two or three, you can learn 50 because right. you just know where they are. Um, right now, our union is trying to limit the number of roles that someone has to cover. Uh, and they're trying to limit, uh, not limit, but they're trying to um, adjust gender as well. So when I was in Lion King, I can go on for any male or female presenting ensemble member. Um, uh, but but they're they're trying to to adjust that a little bit just to make it easier for our minds. I want to say the limit right now I think is either six or seven tracks that you should be able to do at any time, and then anything above that there's like a pay there's like an increment in pay that will happen above six or seven. So um, yeah, but a show like Lion King, mm, there are easily like 30 different tracks in that show because so many things are considered specialties. So, I mean, it, you have to know a lot, but it's fun. <laughs> now, I know you haven't probably because you've consistently worked, but in this process, is there any point in time that you felt like giving up or you felt super discouraged or, and if you did, how did you handle that situation? So, the short answer is yes. Yes. Yeah. It's always yes. I mean, it's, it is a yes or no question. Yes. Um, I, 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 getting discouraged, right. Getting, here's the thing, getting discouraged, doubting yourself, uh, feeling that the person to your left and your right are better than you, uh, thinking that this might be your last show or feeling that, you know, your skills aren't as good as the next person. I think those are emotions and feelings that you always that you will always have. They they will they will never go away. Uh, but I did have a, a coach years ago, really teach me to embrace that as part of the process and use that fear, use that insecurity or that uncertainty, right, or that feeling of failure. Use that as your superpower. So. Huh. I, I like don't that. like, 
I don't like the feeling of failing. I don't like that feeling, but it is a feeling that I'm going to have. So what can I do to prevent myself from having that feeling often? What can I do? I can train harder, right? What can I do? I can do more homework. What can I do? I can find other things that I like outside of theater. Like what are all the things that I can do so that I have that feeling of failure less? Uh, what are the things that I can do in my failure to celebrate the win? Okay, great. This audition was a total bomb, but what did I learn? What did I discover? What can I take to avoid that feeling again in this same audition process? Great, wonderful. So, uh, so shifting that around, uh, that helps. Uh, feeling exhausted, feeling the need that you want to give up or feeling that you need to quit. I think sometimes that happens too, because, uh, unlike I would say, um, I don't know, lack of a better job, uh, driving a taxi cab, which is, you know, for most, not for most people, it's probably just a job. It's just a job. When you're a performer or an artist, the it's a job but it's also your passion mm -hmm. and it's also your dream and it's also like you you know you you love it so there's so much of your personal being that is wrapped up in the job so it is an extension of you um, so there are days that you want to quit there are days that you'll feel defeated this is all part of the process and we can celebrate those things because if you're feeling those things that means that you're in the right place it means that you are doing something that you really care about it means that all of your training right is sinking in and paying off it means that you're probably getting really close to booking this gig or that gig so you're in the right place when you feel that way sometimes you do have to step away and like take a break for a day or a week or a month or sometimes even a year but your heart will always bring you back to your craft so train 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 embrace all of those emotions that you're feeling because they're all part of it right, right. someone's like don't you get nervous uh, how do you stop getting nervous for a show you don't, you're always nervous, right? You don't know what's gonna happen. That's part of it. That's part of the joy. It's why I do live theater instead of just sitting at home and reading books. You know, like that's all part of it. What about the nerves in the audition? Yes, that's all part of it. How can I overcome these nerves or celebrate these nerves or celebrate that horrible feeling in my stomach? That is part of what we do. That's part of your love and your passion and your craft and your dream. Like these are all wonderful things that you get to experience by putting yourself in these positions. If you can celebrate all of these things, even the failures, it's just going to help you in the long run because um, there are more failures than there are accomplishments. Everyone's like, you've done like 11 or 12 Broadway shows. And I say, no, I've only booked 11 or 12 Broadway shows out of the millions that I've auditioned for, right? I've auditioned for millions. I audition almost every day. I only booked 11 of them, but oh my goodness, it's so awesome. So, um, so yeah, so there we go. Um, that's a long wonderful answer, words short of, question. That's a wonderful words of advice, I mean take that and use that fear to drive you further yeah it, be it becomes it becomes your superpower it yeah i like that word superpower yeah. mm -hmm. and throughout all of this did you ever you know you talked about you had like yes you booked the shows and 
you've been on Broadway for over 20 years, but was there ever a backup plan for you? I mean, I know we'll get into, you have some other things that you do outside of theater, but was there a different backup plan that didn't um, involve being in the industry? So uh, 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 officially, no. And I'll tell you why. Um, I think knowing myself, if I would have had a backup plan, I would not be here today. I think had I had a backup plan, I would have taken the backup plan many, 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 many years ago. Um, not having a backup plan for me forced me more to be like, it's 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 do or die. <laughs> I have I have to figure it out. And it also put me in the mindset. That's what forced me to get in the mindset of auditioning for everything because I really had no choice. Um, but in auditioning for everything, I always knock on wood had a number of options on the table because I did so many auditions. So and then I was able to pick and choose what gigs I did. So um, uh, yeah, like even even when I did the cruise ship, I was still subbing at. Disney like I was subbing at Disney and then decided no now I'm gonna go and do this awesome cruise ship gig which turned out to be the most amazing thing ever so right because um, you met me and so I mean that's the that's part, it right? and now fast forward, friends and yeah exactly and now fast forward this many years later I'm up in the morning talking to you on your on your show and um and I'm gonna see you in a few weeks in New York City like hello like what is my life like always except for last time when COVID hit and we just couldn't get together because you being trace contacted every day and so yes. we just kind of we just kind of gave up um we tried we tried but yeah, you're, was, my, you're it, my constant you're my constant when i get to the city we always have to have our todd and our bender time it's always a precious time i think for us and you know i think that's you know comes back to what you said the wonderful friends that you make in this industry that you keep throughout your entire life and yeah. so would you have any great advice? I mean, you've kind of already given loads of amazing advice, but what would be like a snip of an advice if someone wanted to get started in this industry? Oh, so okay. So this this is this is a loaded question because I've been um uh, something else that I do now is I I I work for a talent agency. Uh, and I'm on the side of the table that um, I review all of the submissions for new talent that comes into the agency. And then I'm part of guiding the talent as they uh, do what we call our onboarding process where they're becoming part of the agency. And then I guide them in their first couple months of the process because having an effective agent and working in the industry, it's like a whole different mindset, a whole different world. Um, it, if I had any uh piece of advice uh is oh i don't want to get in trouble for this but but there there's just one bit of caution because we, we live in a world right now <clears throat> where we are trying as hard as we can in this world to make everything uh equal and equitable um but we work in an industry where certain things that are protected by law, by HR laws, um, uh, certain things mm, are not as protected in this industry. For example, um, 
if I'm doing a production of Grey Gardens, my female leads, my female presenting leads in that show have to be of a certain age. Now, in, in the regular world, that would be discrimination. I am discriminating based on age because you're saying I have to be within this age range to play these roles. So there are all of these things that the rest of the working world protects you against. You know, Tracy Turnblad must weigh more than Penny in the show. Must. Penny, 90% of the time, must be taller than Tracy Turnblad so that Penny looks even smaller size-wise next to Tracy. There are little things like that that would normally be protected under law. But they're not protected in this because they matter for the picture of the show. Uh, and the thing that I'm running into most right now is that in our quest to make everything fair, some actors believe that if I go in the room and I give a great audition, it means I should book the show. And that's not always the case because... When you go in the room and give a great audition, I promise you there are other people that also went in the room and gave a great audition. So it becomes a matter of opinion or gut reaction for those casting people or directors to decide who they want. And the advice that I would give actors is to not take any of this stuff personally. At that point, it has nothing to do with you. Do not take it personally. The only thing that I would say you could do personally is say in your mind, ugh, they hired the wrong person. You know what I mean? Like, there you go. But other than that, like, don't take it personally. Do not make it about you. Your job is to go in the audition room and do your best work that you can at that time and celebrate yourself for being able to do that and then move on to the next audition. And do not put your worth or anything else in whether or not you book this gig. Uh, because there are so many other things that come to play. Example with the agency. Uh, we get hundreds of submissions every day. And the other day there was this uh, male presenting artist that sent in what was a stellar submission. And I wish I had seen that submission six months earlier, but it just came in the other day. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. However, we only have the capacity to handle so many clients at a time, and we only have the capacity to handle so many male clients at a time, and we're at capacity for that. So even though this person is amazing, like so, so talented, I had to say no. It had nothing to do with talent. It had nothing to do with ability or like bookability or any of those things. The submission was perfect. I'm gutted that we just don't have the bandwidth to take on another client right now. Like that's just what it is. So we had to say no. And I wrote a long email explaining why, but the answer is still no. So this person could leave saying, oh no, I'm not good enough for that agency. No, you're beyond good enough. It's just the timing was wrong. You know what right. I mean? So sometimes there are things that have nothing to do with you that dictate whether or not you book something. So don't, do not take it personally. If I could say, anything that's what i will say sorry that took like 12 minutes for me to get uh, that's to all right that answer, i mean that's I, that is one of the biggest things i mean i went to an audition once where 
Um, and you can't take it personally. I had a joke. I, I did the, I, I think I did the singing audition first and it was a little bit jacked up at the moment and I didn't give the best <laughs> singing audition at that point. And so I thought they said, you know, go back and you're called back. So the dance audition was later. So I came back and I got right in the front row. I was like, well, I'm going to learn this combination. And I'm like, right in the front row. And I'm with all my friends and i drove my friends. Um, and they looked, they were scanning us and they were like, uh, everyone looks good. There's one of you that's not supposed to be here. And I was like, it is me. I just knew in the back of the head it was me, and here I am front and center. And they're like, number 23, uh, we don't need you. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. Thank you. And I just like waved at my friends and I was like, all right, I'll got um, I'll just wait for you guys outside. Good luck. And I mean, you you can't take that personally because they didn't want you. And I didn't give the best audition. So I can't say that it's, you know, no one's fault but my own. But you know, you can't take that embarrassing moment. I can laugh at that. I mean, I laughed at it at the moment because, you know, you have no other choice. They just kicked you out of a room full of people. And right. I was like, all right, see you later. And oh, you, you have to have a thick skin in this business because if you don't, you will get let down and you will give up. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. You you will. You will give up. But like, you know, if, if, you're, if your heart's really in it, you if your heart's really in it, it's really hard to give up. But there are times that you will want to give up, and and if you don't, uh, if if you lose your focus and you let a lot of the outside influences um, like eat at you, yeah, you 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 will give up. So um, you don't want to do that. No, <laughs> you just and you've worked too hard, you've trained too hard, you've worked too long. You know what I mean? Like for for some people, you've been training your entire life to do you've been training your entire life to do this so like now when you're auditioning and you're out there that's like you're you're putting it to the test and you're trying and i'll tell you another thing there are so many gigs out there that you will eventually start to book it's just like you just gotta stay it's at timing it. it's all about timing yep yeah, it's all about timing. Exactly, like the person who submitted to our agency, and I was like, "Oh no, it's like the wrong time." But I also sent an email just this morning saying, "Hey, if you want to submit, if you haven't found the agent that you want and you want to submit again in six months, I will definitely make sure that we have space." So uh, I sent that one right before this started. So, um, so there we go. <laughs> and you've had a lot of memories, and I like asking this question, and. I, I always know my favorite memories and it's a hard question. Do you have a favorite memory right now of performing? Like what's your, what sticks in your gut as your moment that you're like, ah, this is where I'm supposed to be or something that was fun for you. You know what? I mean, here's the thing. There, 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 there are so many, there are so many, but uh, a few years ago I did this show called shuffle along, which uh, I had and I was supposed to see you in it and I, I was know, getting right? tickets and right before I got to New York, it closed. It closed. Yeah. Yeah. It, did, it, did, it didn't run very long, but, um, but, the, but the show itself, like we worked on for years, like writing and creating the show. And then when they, when they put the cast together for Broadway, it was an amazing cast, like with legends, you know, um, uh, 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 Audra McDonald, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Billy Porter, Brendan Victor Dixon, like Joshua Henry, like Adrian Warren, like 
it it was it was a cast of of legends. Yes. And I understudied Billy Porter in the show. Billy Porter, who is like on stage, you know, yelling at Audra McDonald and and Brian Stokes Mitchell in certain scenes, like heavy hitters. So the day that I got the phone call that Billy threw his back out and he wasn't going to be able to do the show. You're like, sorry, Billy, but. <laughs> so like I was freaking out because already like Billy Porter does things vocally and acting wise that, that in my like wildest dream, I can't do. In fact, one day in rehearsal, he was doing something in his song and on the break I went to him and I said, Billy, can, can you please not do that? Because I understand you and I can't, I can't. I can't do it. I can do nothing like it. I can't compete with that. So anyways, I get the phone call in the morning that I'm going on for Billy that night. And at this point, it was a new show. So no understudy, no swing, no no standby. Not, no one had been on yet in the show. So I'm panicking. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I get to the theater early uh, because I need to run some things, some timing things with like me and Audra McDonald and Brian Stokes Mitchell. Like I'm freaking out because I'm like, we're friends and we're co-workers, but I I'm going to be in scenes with you. Uh, so uh, Audra walks in the stage door early for the show to pop her head into my rehearsal and she has gifts for me. Oh, wow. Brian Stokes Mitchell walks in the stage door and he has an orchid plant, which I still have growing downstairs. He has an orchid plant for me. They all walked in and gave me gifts. And I was like, what? And then instead of them telling me what I need to do in the show, because I'm stepping in as this understudy, they asked me, what do you need? And what are you trying to do in some of these scenes so that we can, we can make sure that we're in the same scene with you. That I was like, is amazing. That is just precious. Yeah. And then to be on stage with those legends playing a lead role in front of like a thousand people. I felt like I, I was like, I'm here. <laughs> and you'd been like, on forever. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm what? Like, this is my life right now. And they, everyone made it feel so easy and effortless. And of course I got a few notes afterwards, but like, we just we just went on stage and and did the did the thing did the thing so i ha i have i have so many stories where the industry itself where the job itself really reminds me and teaches me why i'm here and why i'm doing it i mean i i can tell you examples from every single show i can probably tell you examples i don't think you can top that one. one that's amazing and yeah, i love that it was, yeah yeah and I, I i mean i still have the gifts i still have the orchid growing like i i baby her so much i'm like please grow for me like <laughs> seymour because um I, I i i i never thought about it that way going into the rehearsal and asking the co-star what do you need from us what are you trying to accomplish in these scenes so that we can be in the same scene with you and i took that and now I do that in, in all of my scene work. Whenever I'm working on a scene or I'm in a new show or working on a new project, I always ask my scene partner, what do you need? What do you want from me? Like, what, what can I give you to help you accomplish the things that you want to do in this scene? And then we'll discuss them. Sometimes I'll say, ooh, I might have a hard time with that one because I'm trying to do this. 
is there a compromise? You know what I mean? So um, it's a new thing that I take into my scene work. It's a new thing that I added uh, into how I teach a scene study class because I learned it from, you know, those Broadway legends and shuffle along as I was freaking out to go yeah. on stage. So there we go. Well, we're just going to go ahead and end it there. I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and read our ending quote. Um, All right. Then you know we'll chat here for a second. Uh, remember pathways are like the path when the sun touches the water. You don't know where the leads or ends, but you never know until you walk that path. Yes. Oh, I love that. I wrote that. Did you? Yeah. Oh, if you listen to other things, um, Lauren Stragari put a twist on it yesterday about like, if there's a rock in the path, you always have a B path and a C path. So I kind of like that kind of, you know, pathways. Ooh. You can take many. So. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's been oh, so wonderful. Gorgeous. And I know I get to see you here in a couple of weeks, but I just, this has been a great pleasure. And I think you gave a lot of um, tools that people can use in this business, no matter where you're at in the middle of beginning. Uh, it's just, you know, you've been a plethora of information and it's just been a joy to have you on. So I just want you guys to, you know, follow him on the socials um, if you can and for this podcast, thank you for joining today and like, share, and subscribe. And my friend, I just love and adore you. And it's Aww. been a pleasure. And thank you for doing this today. And thank you for giving great advice to our listeners. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You're, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And I will see you soon. All right. Thank you for joining. Thank you, everybody. And have a great week. And we'll be back next week.